actually something I could teach off for six months, and I gave you a very condensed version, but I want to kind of close it out on tonight. Um, can I ask you a question? I want y'all to talk fast. I want you to talk fast. Um, let me ask you a question, and you tell me your, your thoughts on this. Um, we all know that since coming to Jesus, you know, that changes our spiritual walk and our spiritual status, but it doesn't change our minds. Um, what do you think is the hardest thing about controlling your thoughts? Knowing that you can do it, okay? What you, somebody say something? Oh yeah, I want y'all to answer. Yeah. Thinking about thinking you can control it. Gotcha. Okay. Making yourself satisfied. That's good. I'm gonna come back to that. That's a good one. Social media. Yeah. Inundated with stuff. can say that um, you have learned how to take, not all, but at least some thoughts captive. Okay, question, how did you do that? Prayer, supplication, all right, yes. Recognizing it, accepting it, and working towards correcting it. Okay? All right? Okay? All right? All right? You just blessed this side over here. <laughs> Y'all better write a note or something. <laughs> yes. See, we're not going to be done with this. Okay. So here's my question back to you. If you have um, had the ability to uh, take certain thoughts captive, why have you not had the ability to take all thoughts captive? Not strong enough? You didn't consult with God? Okay. Okay, that's good. it is possible for you to be doing something that you don't see anything wrong with. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's what I want to do. I want to, um, I'm going to go through what I've talk, talk, taught already previously, but I want to go through it as quickly as possible. Go to Romans the 12th chapter, verse number one through two. Great, great insight, but you all, great insight. Um, Romans 12, verse number one and two, which is our foundational scripture for uh, this renewing the mind. And I'm going, to, um, I'm going to give you some tips on how to renew the mind, okay? I'm going to give you some tips tonight on how to renew the mind. So tonight will not be very um, all over the 
word tonight, okay? I'm going to give you some scriptures. I need you to look it up on your own time. There's some foundational things I need to teach about how to renew your mind, okay? And I want to give you a kind of a step-by-step process, really, on how to renew the mind. Romans the 12th chapter, verse number 1 and 2, very familiar text. Um, we've heard this in church many times. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? A living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then it says, verse number two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Then, y'all see that big then? Then, that means everything that happens before determines this then. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I gave you this statement, and I want to say it again. John Piper says, we are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians if all we do is conform to the world around us. We ain't no good. If we spend all our time imitating the world, adopting to the world, emulating the world, and its worldly ways, and ultimately obeying the world, it means that we cannot be effectively used as disciples of Jesus Christ. Because God says that we are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in the renewing of our mind. So what is the renewing of the mind? It's when a person surrenders their life to Jesus Christ and becomes a believer that they are totally and immediately transformed or regenerated, okay, in their what? Spirit man. Okay, regenerated, if, if whenever I say regeneration, regenerated, all it simply means is born again, that you are born of the spirit. You were born of the flesh, but now you are born of the spirit, all right? You had a heavenly birth, a holy, spiritual, heavenly birth, all right? And the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside the spirit of that person, and the person becomes a child of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. But the mind of the person and their thinking does not change so immediately, okay? Um, <laughs> it's going to sound funny, but it's the truth anyhow. If you was nasty before you got saved, you going to be nasty after you got saved. You know, don't change nothing. If you was freaky before you got saved, okay, let me let that alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I have to say that. You know why I have to say that? Because some of you are wondering to yourself why certain things ain't changed. It, it, it ain't changed because God said your, he can save your spirit, but your soul. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, we become believers, and we are initiated into a process called sanctification. In fact, what kind of sanctification? You better know this word, progressive sanctification. That means that it's a day in and day out. It's a surrenderance to God. Now, progressive sanctification means you got to work with God. He's not going to do it for you. You have to work with him. You have to deny yourself. Okay, so we make the word of God a priority and we reckon ourselves dead to sin and we yield our bodies to God. All right. So when we are being sanctified, it's directed by the Holy Spirit with the purpose that our soul man. Now, what's your three parts of your soul? Mind, will and emotions. When we talk about the soul from a biblical perspective, it's the mind, will and emotions. It can experience the same transformation that the spirit man has ex experienced, but that only happens through the renewing of the mind. The battlefield where all this happens is in our thoughts. It's in our thinking. That is why Romans tells us that we are to be renewed in our minds. The word renewed means to be made 
make new again, to refashion, to be changed according to God's original plan, all right? Don't turn to it. Um, I already did it the last two weeks. Ephesians 4, verse number 22 through 24, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful nature, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. And to put on new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The word made new or renewed is to, is to be made young again. In other words, you're in the process of recovery. You got saved, but now you got to go through recovery. Because recovery, you have to think, your flesh did some damaging things to you pre-salvation. Let's have a real conversation. Your flesh done did some damaging things to you since salvation. And you're going to have to recover. God puts it in his plan for you to recover from the things that happened to you in your mind, in your spirit, the things that have happened to you so that you can be made new again. God wants to bring you back to a place of innocence. Okay? Now catch that. That's deep because when you think about it, um, it's almost like when you, you start out, nobody, no child starts off bad. They have to be introduced to some stuff. And the more they introduce to it and the more they get away with it, the more they want to indulge into it. Do y'all get that? Okay. Um, just like us. We got our hand caught in the cookie jar. But when we got our hand caught in the cookie jar, you know, whatever your cookie jar is. When, when we got our hand caught in the cookie jar, we didn't get exposed. We didn't get embarrassed. We didn't get shamed. So that left a mark in our minds that said, hmm, let me do it again. Do you see that? Okay. What happens is your mind gets shaped in an un, um, uh, ungodly way because now you think, oh, I can do it again and again and again. And how many can just go ahead and admit, that's me. There's some stuff I stopped doing, but there's some other stuff. I done got away with it. And now, because I done got away with it, watch this, God says you have to renew your mind. You have to go through the recovery because he wants to change your mind back to the innocence of your youth. Not saying young in age. He's talking about young within your mind. That now, what the mark that the sin left ain't there anymore. Okay? Um, I want to say this a different way, but I want to say it accurately. When you have lived, and I need y'all to go with me because the children are here, so understand what I'm saying. When you have lived a loose life, you get it? You start to think that is the way of life. God has to take you through a renewal process to realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So now your mind has to be shaped to realize all them people touching on me ain't God's will for my life. Your mind has to be renewed because, listen, if you look at people in the world, most times that don't seem like a problem no more. But when God starts working on your mind, you start to say, mm, that wasn't God's best for me. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. So he has to take you back to your innocence. Take you back to your innocence. All right. I'm moving quickly. All right. So why is renewal of the mind so important? We said renewal of the mind, one, is, is, uh, is important. Renewal of the mind is important because our thinking determines what? Our behavior. Okay. You didn't uh, uh, just uh, fall your way into debt. You thought your way into debt. Okay. You thought your way into debt. You were standing at the store at a good sale. 
you know, and I was watching something this week on YouTube where it was talking about how, bless you, <laughs> bless you, that's so cute. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that thing blessed me, <laughs> that blessed me just now, I'm sorry. Um, I was watching something on YouTube this week, um, I think it was from Business Insiders, and they were talking about how H&M gets you to buy stuff. And they were saying there's a part of your brain that gets excited over the fact of a $6 t-shirt, not realizing that the $6 t-shirt came attached to little kids actually making that in sweatshops. But you ain't gonna stop buying H&M because the price is so good that you have a, a thing in your brain where you override what's happening in order to get that sale. I know you're still going to H&M. It's fine. I might be there too. <laughs> your thinking determines your behavior. So you think your way into debt. You think your way into situation. You think your way outside of the will of God. Number two, renewal of the mind is important because thoughts affect our motives, which will ultimately be judged by God. Your thoughts affect your motives. Okay? Um, your thoughts on how you see a person affects your motives. That's the difference between being fake and being real. Because if your motives have been purged and purified by God, you can hug people that might not like you very much and you have no animosity towards them. Do you see that? God is, wants us to get to a place where our minds are in connection with our hearts so that what our heart is saying, our minds and our behaviors become that truth. So in other words, I can hug you and I can love on you and I can pray for you and I ain't got ill will in my heart. You know, church people are, can be the fakest people in the world. They can hug you one minute and go right outside and get on the phone and talk about you like a dog. Oh, y'all ain't, ain't members of the Super Church? Okay, let me keep going. Number three, renewal of the mind is important because, the sin, because sin stems from evil thinking. Sin, sin comes from evil thinking. Uh, number four, renewal of the mind is important because our thoughts are exposed by God's word. Our thoughts are exposed by God's word. We don't read God's word. We let God's word read us. When I open this book, I let it read me. What does it say about me? When it, when, when it says that I'm off, um, I don't look at it. Watch this, because this is what church people are masters of doing now. You hear the word and apply it to everybody but you. So when you talk about haters, you, you think about everybody in your job. You think about the person that you don't like in the church. But you never think about the fact that you might be a hater. Because we've all been haters. I said we've all been haters. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been one too. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And the fact that you couldn't say it, you won right now. Be free in Jesus' name. So what's the state of man's mind apart from, from Christ? I, just, I talked about this the first week. I want to go through this real quick. Number one, the unredeemed mind is defiled. It means it's corrupted, it's polluted, it's stained. My mind outside of God is a mess. My mind outside of God is jacked up. The thoughts I think when God ain't on it. Whew, that's, that's dangerous. If your neighbor knew what you thought just an hour ago. Uh, the Number two, the unredeemed mind is blinded. It means you can't see spiritual things. 
2 Corinthians 4, I'm not going to turn there, but 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 through 4 says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When, when, you, when, when your mind is not renewed, you, your mind is blinded. You can't see spiritual things. You can't see in the misery of what you are experiencing that there's a miracle on the other side. You know the good thing about being in God is that when you're in God, you have hope. That whatever I'm living today, I ain't going to be living always. Old folk used to put it like this, trouble don't last always. It's not always going to be like this. So I can sit in, in what I'm in right now and still have an expectation that God is going to work this out. Why? Because I'm not blinded to the spiritual thing. I see what's happening in the natural, but I see something in the spiritual. I, okay, come on, let's put it like this. I see what my bank account looks like in the natural, but I know what God got for me in the spiritual. And after a while, the spiritual going to catch up with the natural. Okay? The, number three, the unredeemed mind is alienated from and hostile to God. In our nature, in our fallen nature, we are anti-God. We are deliberately and purposely disobedient to God. When If God is not on our mind, we just do what we want when we want and how we want. And don't nobody better ask me nothing either. Number four, the unredeemed mind is futile. Futile. What does that mean? It means I'm, I'm very vain. It's all about me. Our minds are on riches of this world, lust and pleasures and things that are malicious and hurtful, that come without nothing and, and no effect. We get consumed with things that we put our eyes on, and we put our eyes on ourselves instead of on what God has for us. So I think it becomes futile. The last one, the unredeemed mind is set on things of the flesh. It's what I want when I want it. I want it. I know I don't need no car right now, but I want it. I see myself in it. Used to be back in the day, people used to get um, them dark tints on their car. And I got older and started paying my own uh, car note. I said, I want no tint. I want everybody to see me in this. <laughs> I want everybody. Take them tints off. I need you to see me. <laughs> okay? All right? It, it means, watch this, if my mind is set on things of the flesh, it means, watch this, that I get to the place where I'm sick of sin, but I don't want to die to it. So I get sick of the situation that I'm in, but I don't want to die to it. You know, you could be sick of something that you love. That's too heavy right there. I don't know if I can go through that door right there. You can be sick of something you love. Okay, let's have some real talk. Can we just be real just for a minute? Have you ever done something and you felt disgusted with yourself? And you went right back to it. Because at some point, you hate what you love. mind is focused on earthly or temporal things. So my mind is on my car, my money, what I can secure the bag, I could do this, I could do that. My mind is stuck on that. All right? That's the unredeemed mind. So what are the things that influence the way we think? And, and you have all said it already. Your upbringing, past experiences, uh, positive and negative, our educational, relig religious training, uh, it shapes the way you think. It shapes the way you think. Um, sometimes I have to, um, I, I, my prayer in this season is, Lord, let me be the pastor you want me to be and not the pastor they want me to be. Because I found myself trying to perform to outdo the memory of whatever pastor you had before me. This ain't that. <laughs> I, 
I have to, because sometimes you get stuck in a, in a zone. Well, you know, Reverend Dr. So-and-so did it like this. Well, I ain't Reverend Dr. So-and-so. This is the Freedom Church. I be Pastor Philip Rawls, and I can only be Pastor Philip Rawls. You get what I'm saying? People will try to box you in to be something that you're not. Um, our personal observation, our fleshly interests, our role models, particularly those we respect, and the media all shape our thinking. So we said, I think on last week, the goal of a renewed mind is, number one, our goal is to think like God thinks about everything. That we need to see things the way that God sees them. We need to watch this, even see ourselves the way that God sees us. We, we need to see things. Um, it, it, and it's, it's crazy because we look at certain things and we say, well, I don't understand what's going on in my life. Watch this. Don't fall apart just because I don't understand. I have to trust that I serve an all-knowing and an all-wise God. You're not going to figure everything out. Do me a favor. Lift one hand and say, Lord, deliver me from trying to be in control of my life. Mm -hmm. I want to be in control. I want to drive. I just want God to be a co-pilot. You know, remember that, that bumper sticker back in the day? Jesus is my co-pilot. Okay? Now, that sounds good driving down the street, you know, yeah, because, you know, Jesus ain't going to put his hand on the wheel, so I need you to put the hand on the wheel. But when it comes to your life, I don't, he shouldn't be the co-pilot. He should be the pilot. Here's the crazy part. If you are the pilot and he's the co-pilot, that means you are responsible. But if you change seats, then he has to be responsible. God, that was good right there. And God is saying, why don't you let me be in lead and control of your life so I can be responsible for what happens for your life? Because if I'm responsible and my name is on it, I'm going to make sure I make good on everything that I said. I'm not a man that I should lie, neither the son of man that I should repent. If I said it, it's going to come to pass. Now, if you try to do it, you got to do it in your own strength and in your own power. And is there anybody here that realize my strength, my power is very limited. I only got so much. But I serve a God that is in complete control, not of just my life, but of the entire world. So what I can't do with my boss, God can do it with my boss. What I can't do with my finances, God can do it with my finances. Because he can do, watch this, exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think. So I want him to be in control and not me. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, stop trying to be in control. Let him be in control. Let him be responsible for the outcome. You stop trying to be responsible. You know the reason why you got insomnia and can't sleep? Because you're trying to control everything. Give him control and let go, go on to sleep. He's a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. While I'm asleep, snoring to the top of my lungs, while drool is coming down my mouth, I got a God that is in control of everything, and he's handling all my affairs, so I ain't got to trip, I ain't got to go crazy, I ain't got to pull my hair out, my head ain't got to fall out, my hair ain't got to turn gray. I trust in a God that got everything under control, and I give him the glory and the praise for it. Our goal is to think like God thinks about everything. And so what I did was, last week we talked about something. I want to give you a pop quiz. Pop quiz. We talked about the difference between God imminent and God transcendent. All right? Uh, look up at me. Look up at me. Look up at me. What does God imminent mean? You know, ain't no shame in their game. They held the phone up like this. You said look up, so I'm going to look up. <laughs> what, is it, what does it mean, God imminent? 
God is inside of you. What religions in this world uh, practice this? Buddhism, Hinduism, okay, God is inside of you. God is a part of you, okay? Um, the problem with God imminent philosophy is that God is no different from the creation. Okay? So, um, um, so, my, so my mind being renewed is limited now to my own consciousness, and that is self-driven and self-sustained. You only know what you know. Let me say it again. You only know what you know. And um, if it's just dependent on you, if you see God as just being imminent inside of you, then there's, there's going to be a huge gap within your life. Because now you are in control of everything. You don't believe in creation. You believe in becoming. So I become. I evolve. You know, these are the words that you hear in society now. I evolve. I'm evolving. Okay? Um, I don't want to evolve. I want to grow because you could evolve into something that you don't like. How many of you have seen people who have evolved into something that they don't even like anymore? Watch this. Or how many of you have seen people that evolved into something you can't even recognize? God is saying, I don't need you to evolve. I need you to grow. I need you to grow in your faith because if you grow in your faith, watch this, I can fill in the gaps in your own life. The stuff you can't do, I'll be the one that fills in those gaps for you. Okay, so tr God, imminent uh, means that God is in you. Okay, God transcended is what? He's far away. He's distant. He's out there. Okay, um, and what faiths believe that God is transcendent? Christianity? the three um, faiths in Jerusalem that fight with each other all the time. Muslims, Christians, and Jews all believe that God is transcendent, okay, that God is out there. He's not necessarily in here. The difference now between Muslims, Christians, and, and Jews, especially is Jesus Christ, because when Jesus came in the flesh and he lived, he died, Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost is not just on us or around us. He is now what? In us. So the difference now for us is that God is now not only transcendent, but he's also imminent at the same time. He's out there and in here all at the same time. Do y'all get that? Do y'all get that? Okay. Why is that important when it comes to the renewing of your mind? Why did I make you go through all that deep stuff? So that we could what? Have a mind like Christ. Because how can you have a mind like Christ if he's always outside of you? Do you get that? Okay. But now that he's inside of you, now he can help you to shape you and mold you into who you become. Let me prove it to you. There are thoughts you think that you like. Where did that come from? There, there, are, there are things that even in the midst, watch this. Have you ever not liked somebody? And all of a sudden, the thought hits your mind, pray for them. <laughs> that didn't come from you. That came from the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost has to shape and mold your mind. Are y'all with me? You understand what I'm saying? Because I need you to understand that sometimes we are giving ourselves too much credit 
when it ain't us. Come on, let me talk to a mother real quick. You see that child cutting a food, and everything say knock them in their throat. But they, <laughs> Deronda said, Deron looked over like, mm. <laughs> watch this. Everything says just knock them in their throat. But then you get a piece that you can't even understand. Like, you, you, everything inside of you, before you had that child, you did not have the ability to have those, that level of patience. What happened? The Holy Ghost shaped you and molded you. Do, do y'all see this? Okay, let me give you another example. Um, before, um, before, you would just spend money. You wouldn't think about nothing later. Just spend all of it. And now you're trying to spend it at the register, and all of a sudden some tell you, put it down. Tell somebody say, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. He's shaping you and molding you and telling you what he's trying to make sure that your mind is renewed so that, watch this, that when you put this down today, you don't realize five years from now you're getting ready to close on your house. And God is saying, I got some stuff hooked up for you that if you just obey me and you hear my voice and I mold and shape your mind, I can let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see that? Okay. So our goal Number one, our goal is to think like God thinks about everything. Our second goal is to have the mind of Christ. We've already just talked about that. It means having the plan, the purpose, and perspective of Christ, having the mind of Christ. What is having the mind of Christ? We said this on last week. It, it's a mind that's, that sees the truth, that loves good, and that chooses the right. Okay? It's a mind that, see, that sees the truth, that loves the good, and that chooses the right. Okay, um, did I stop there last week? I got one more. Okay, our goal is to experience true knowledge from God's perspective. Okay, good. Our, our goal is to experience uh, uh, true knowledge from God's perspective. We looked at uh, Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and in the image of Christ the creator. Okay, um, and what this means is that there's a nature of newness that is a part of you now. You have a new nature, you have new obedience, you have a new citizenship, and you have new desires. And all that works in your mind at the same time. When you realize that you have a new nature, that I can't do what I used to do. New nature. Uh, before Jesus came into my heart, I would cuss like a sailor. Now I have a new nature, and I feel conflicted. conflicted and he works on me you, you get what I'm saying okay that because my mind is being renewed um, um, the new nature works on you and then you, after you have a new nature you have new obedience I used to obey myself now I have to obey him and not not that I have to I want to you see that I want to obey him um, after I have a new obedience and I have a new citizenship I'm not of this world I've been born again I'm of a, a different world okay and so because I have a new citizenship, I have a new standing in how I see myself. I'm not a, a papa or a peasant. I'm a child of the king. It changes your perspective. It gives you a different kind of swagger. It allows you not to let people talk to you any kind of way. 
It allows you not to deal with your own self any kind of way because you have a new citizenship. And number three, number four, you have new desires. Now you desire to go to church. You know, Sunday. Isn't it amazing how every illness comes around on Sunday? Isn't it amazing how you always don't feel good on Wednesday night? You have no other problem Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, but come Sunday and Wednesday. Watch this. But when you have a new desire, you push beyond it. Brianna sent me a uh, text mess, a message on GroupMe saying that she had a headache. I'm looking at her right now. She's all sweating and stuff. And I'm like, Lord, bless her, Jesus. Bless her. Look like a head about to explode right here. Bless the Lord. But a new desire will put something, will motivate you in areas that you thought you could never be motivated in. Everything say stay at home and you getting, the, you getting dressed. Well, I'm going. You going? Yeah, I'm going. Because you have new desires. Stuff shifts for you. Okay? Um, and D, did I say this when our goal is to have the heart and mind that reflect God's standards and laws? Okay, good. Um, that now we have a heart and mind that reflects God's standards and laws. Now I want to obey him. I want to live my life at a different standard. I can't do what I used to do. Now I'm okay with that because I'm living my life at a different standard. I can't be on every scene anymore. I just, I, it's not, that don't fit me no more. Go to the club, I'm choking. <coughs> used to drink the same drinks I used to drink. It don't even taste right no more. Oh, God, this is strong. What is this? Because oh. it don't fit you no more. Can I, t can I like, let me say this. Stop trying to always fit in with the world. When God changed you, he just changed you. It's okay. It's all right. Ain't nothing wrong with being different. Let them call you what they want to call you. Oh, you trying to be saved now. Yeah, I guess so. I find that a little bit better than waking up and not knowing where I was last night. I find that a little bit better than laughing at the stuff I used to laugh at. I find that a little bit better. And it's okay. All right? So how do you renew your mind? This is what I want to talk about tonight, and I'm going to be done. How do you renew your mind? I want to give you um, four steps. It's actually three plus one. Um, how to renew your mind. How to renew your mind. Step one, write this down. Ask the Lord to guard and direct your mind. Ask the Lord to guard and direct your mind. We always want to change mind, but we never really ask the Lord to guard and direct our mind. Your mind is the place of your intellect, your reasoning, and your intentions. Your behavior begins in your mind. And your mind is also where spiritual transformation happens. The object of my regular thinking will determine how my days my years, and ultimately how my life plays out. Everything starts in my mind. Most times, we simply don't bother to ask the Lord, write this down, for protection, direction, and oversight of your mind. Protection, direction, and oversight of your mind. Want the Lord to protect your mind, to direct your mind, and to oversee your mind. Okay? 
Now, I want to kind of break this down. So here's my sub-points. These are sub-points to this, all right? So what do I need protecting from? If I want the Lord to guard and direct my mind, what do I need protecting from? Okay? Write this down. Here's the first thing you need protecting from. This is going to be deep. False teaching. False teaching. that okay watch this if you know the truth you can instantly spot a lie um it's like when you get a when you get a call from the child's school saying that fufu was cutting up today in school and then you come home then the child come home and here's the the tragic question how was your day now, you already know what the answer is because you know the truth. And then they say out their mouth, it was good. Anything happened today? No. Okay? Because if you know the truth, you can instantly spot a lie. Watch this. Treasury agents are not trained to detect counterfeiting by handling counterfeit bills. They give them real bills and study them so well that when a counterfeit dollar bill is put in their hands, they immediately know that it's false. Watch this. When you get the word of God, which is the truth, you will be able to recognize the lies the enemies try to tell you. See, this is why getting the word is so important. Can I, let me say this. I am noticing in the body of Christ, I'm going to segue and I'm come back to this. I'm noticing in the body of Christ where people are getting bamboozled, watch this, into being connected to the music of the church but not the word of the church because the music of the church sometimes is not always biblical like back in the day we sung hymns and hymns always was the word of god my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and his righteousness okay that's word okay but now you have stuff like i give myself away so you can use me okay that sounds good we worship off of it. <laughs> yes, God. But ultimately, it does not teach you the word of God. Because it didn't tell you that you have to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Do you see the difference? I'm not knocking the song. I need you to understand what I'm saying. So the problem with the church now is that we got people more committed to the music than the actual word of God. This is why you can get the music and still can't recognize a lie because you don't have the word. This is why coming to Bible study, coming on Sunday is so important because once you get the word, you can see the lie. So when the enemy tries to whisper in your ear and tell you how awful you are, you can look back at the enemy and say, I'm the righteousness of Christ. I know what the word says. So now I can recognize the lies. Watch this. And it's not always the enemy. Sometimes it's what you tell yourself. Do you know you lie to yourself all the time? You ready for the biggest lie you tell yourself? I'm going to always be right here. It's going to always be like this. Do you see that? Okay? So you have to, watch this, you have to ask the Lord to protect you from, number one, false teaching. Here's number two, you got to ask the Lord to protect you from temptation. We're talking about your thinking now. Temptation. Go to Psalms 101, verse number three. Psalms 101, 
verse number three. Psalms 101, verse number three. Quick question. How many chapters are in Psalms? Say it again. It's not chapter. There are no chapters. What what do Psalms have? How do you div- how do you divide it? There are what? There are five divisions of psalms, okay? Five divisions of psalms, all right? But psalms, they're nothing but songs. They're songs. They're lyrics, really, okay? Um, psalms 101, number th- uh, verse number 3. Psalm 101, verse number 3. You have it? Um, ESV, English Standard Version, says it like this. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless, okay? There's something you have that are called gates that enter, that, that can enter into your mind. You have your eye gate, you have your ear gate, um, you have your mouth gate, you know, those are the gates that enters into your mind, all right? Um, temptation, watch this, sin starts with a thought. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. Want me to do that again? Okay, I need you to get that. Sin starts with a thought. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. The problem is we want to deal with the character. We want to deal with the habit. We want to deal with the action, but we don't want to deal with where it actually came from, a thought. So we have to ask the Lord, protect me from temptation, the thoughts that tempt me, okay? This is light, but you know what your temptations are. Lord, um, protect me from that ice cream that's sitting in my freezer right now. Because if it be on my mind too long, I'm going to go and sit down and put the whole tub in my lap get a spoon. Now, I ain't going to put it in no other bowl. It's going to be mine, okay? All right? But switch out your bowl of ice cream for what your temptation is. That's what you need to ask the Lord to guard and protect you from, those thoughts that tempt you. Here's number three. The third thing you need to be protected from, pride. Pride. Things that will make you puffed up. You need your mind to remain humble and not let pride enter your mind. Okay, pride. You got to watch pride, okay? Because if you think in your mind that you can do your boss's job better than you, you might walk around with an attitude. You see that? Okay? You got you to be careful with pride because pride will have you out there, you know? And you might think you can, you might can do the job better, but you might can't handle the responsibility better. See the difference? Okay. Here's the last one. I threw this in for free. Some of y'all need this. You have to ask the Lord to protect your mind, watch this, from an overworked mind. From an overworked mind. We strain our minds too much, and this causes failure in your, in your life. I'll give you an example. I was working out the other day, and I'm trying to lift... Um, Weights, whatever. 
has such an attitude towards it. Just praise, praise. And I'm and I'm and I'm lifting weights. And um, that person who will remain remain nameless, who I don't know if they came from heaven or hell that I talked about on Sunday, um, added more weights. And I looked over at the weights and I got intimidated by the weights. And I went to go do it and I lifted it up. And in my mind, I said to myself, "You can't do this." all of a sudden it started going like this. I was like, get it off, get it off, get it off. Okay? Because when you start overworking in your mind, failure will come. It's automatic. When you overwork things in your mind. Let, 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 me, let me kind of free you. When you're always obsessing over stuff, it will never work out. You, you, you've got to ask the Lord, protect me from an overworked mind. Because if I think about this too much, I'm going to mess it up. Some one way, some, some way, somehow. Okay? All right? So I ask the Lord for protection, and I ask the Lord for direction. Okay? For direction. Write this down. You don't have to turn to it. Proverbs 16, verse number 9. Proverbs 16, verse number 9. The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So you can make all the plans you want to. you got to ask the Lord to direct you. Steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord we need directing our minds before we think our way into the wrong direction. Let me say that again. We need directing in our mind before we think our way into the wrong direction. How many of you have thought your way into the wrong direction of a relationship? That was the wrong direction. But I thought my way into that. Okay? We need directing in our minds. We need to start our day with a simple prayer. Let me give you a simple prayer. I told you it was going to be practical tonight. We need to start our day with a simple prayer. Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, Keep my mind firmly set where you want it to be focused today. Mm-hmm. Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, keep my mind firmly set where you want it to be focused today. Keep my mind firmly set where you want it to be focused today. Let me tell you how this frees you in a, in a pray this prayer, you will stop thinking that you're going to get everything done in one day. Some of you are beating yourself up because you feel like you're no further than where you, you, you can't do everything. You can Larry say it all the time. You can only eat an elephant one bite at a time. You can't do it all today. So ask the Lord, keep my mind firmly set where you want it to be focused today. Okay? All right. Step two. Y'all got step one? Read back my step one. Okay, here's step two. Recognize the source of self-focused and self-defeating thoughts. Recognize the source of self focused and self-defeating thoughts. Okay. Write this down because I'm going to read in a translation that I'm pretty sure nobody in here has, but I want you to write this down. Proverbs 4, 23. Proverbs 4.23, 
the Good News Translation puts Proverbs 24, 23 like this. Listen to this. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Okay? Recognize the source of self-focused and self-defeating thoughts. You got to figure out where this is coming from. Okay? Given that my behavior begins in my mind, and my mind is where spiritual transformation happens, it is no surprise, it should not be any surprise to us, that the adversary wants to mess with our thinking. Because my mind is the favorite place, listen to this, of the enemy to distract and disarm. Your mind is the place where the enemy distracts and disarms you. Isn't that amazing? It's in your mind. Okay? Um, I deal with, um, as a pastor, I deal with uh, this generation now um, of people that are in church, love God, but are completely emotionally driven. When I say that, it gets difficult in times where um, people are so in their feelings that if the pastor don't speak to you today, doesn't matter, I spoke to you 50 times before this. If I didn't speak to you today, in the moment where you were feeling whatever you were feeling in that one moment, all of a sudden, we feel some type of way. As if the track record that was stated before that is completely erased because of how I felt in that one moment. Catch this, because the favorite place of the enemy is to distract and disarm you is in your mind. So now I'm distracted by my own feelings and I'm disarmed. Watch this. Let me talk real good. I'm disarmed because I'm in my feelings and now I am vulnerable to what the enemy throws at me. Now in your head, oh, he got a problem with me. I wonder if so-and-so said something. The mind is the favorite place of the enemy to distract and disarm you. When our minds are not renewed, we will experience, I need you to hear this because I'm about to go real deep. When our minds are not renewed, we're saved, but our minds are not going to renew a process. We just don't do it. We will experience some level of mental oppression. Yes. It is a feeling of heaviness that accompanies my self-defeating thoughts. mentally oppressed because now I have a heaviness that came along with my self-defeating thoughts. I'm going to dig this out a little bit. Most of the time I realize, watch this, sometimes you realize um, or you don't realize that you are actually engaged in some sort of spiritual battle, but you can't free yourself from it because your mind is so enamored with self-defeating thoughts that you can pray you can confess, you can read God's word, you can pray some more, and it's still not come off you. Why? Because your mind has not been renewed. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get you somewhere, okay? So where does self-focus 
and self-defeating thoughts uh, go. After you have a self-focused or self-defeating thought, um, where does it go? It goes to, write this down, degrading yourself. Degrading yourself. And I want to show you degrading from three different levels. I never saw this before. Degrading yourself from three different levels. Okay? The first level, write this down, is self-degrading. Self-degrading. I'm so stupid. I never get anything right. Everything I do seems to fail. Even when I do, do all I can, uh, I, it, it just ends up wrong. Self-degrading. I want you to see the thoughts now. You have these self-defeating and self-focusing thoughts, and they automatically lead you to self-degrading yourself. You see that? Has anybody ever, let's be honest, just sat there and said, I'm just, I'm stupid. I just can't do nothing right. Okay? That is the first level, self-degrading. Let's go to the second level. Situation degrading. Now I'm degrading my situation. After I beat myself up, now I got to look at my situation and beat that up as well. So what is situation degrading? Life is just the same thing every single day. I don't even know why I get up out of bed. What's the use? I don't like when people at my job, people in the church don't understand me, my family crazy. This ain't nothing right. I look at these children sometimes, think they adopted. They switch babies because I don't know who this is. Because watch this, after you degrade yourself, now you got to degrade your situation. You look at the car and say, I'm always going to be here. You look at the house or the apartment that you're living in and think, I'm always, okay, come here. You look at your credit, it's just going to be like this. Here we go. Let me make this spiritual. This is just my, you know, this is my process. This is it. When God has promised you so much more, but because you have self-focused and self-defeating thoughts, you degrade yourself, and then you degrade your situation. Here's the third thing you degrade. You have future degrading. Then you move on to degrade your future. Listen, I am, I am, I'm preaching to y'all, but I am talking to myself, because I have had this moment before where I did all three right behind each other. Future degrading. I'm never going to make it in life. I don't know why even I'm too old. I ain't got the education. I don't know why I even try. It's all just a waste of time. Okay? That's what you have to recognize. Watch this, because if you're going to renew your mind, you got to catch them thoughts when they start happening. The reason God sets you up to come tonight is so that you can recognize it in the future. That when it starts happening, you say, oh, I remember this. I'm trying to degrade myself. Watch this. And sometimes you'll degrade yourself and it'll move quickly to situation. You just start, I just don't care no more. I just don't care no more. Girl, if you don't go and iron you some clothes, slap some grease in your head, look, look good. Just because one relationship didn't work out don't mean all relationships ain't going to work out. 
You see that? Stop, stop looking at your life as if, oh, it's just over. Then what he gave you breath in your body for? Every day you get up is an opportunity for you to do it better. Every day. Okay? So you got to recognize the enemy and fight him with, the, with God's power and with, with scriptural, scriptural truth. Here's step three. Step three. So go back to step one. What's step one again? And step two. Here's number, here's number three. Replace self-focused thinking. with a God-focused mindset. Replace self-focused thinking with a God-focused mindset. And here's where the rubber meets the road. You have to get your mind off of you and put it on God. Okay, now, let me say this. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for this. That is very difficult for the saints because the saints start believing that God, watch this, has done whatever your life looks like to you. So you blame God for where your life is at. It is almost like It's almost like when you sit back and you say, I'm just going to sing some tunes the rest of my life. Because I guess you just don't want me to be a married pastor. You did this to me. I know y'all ain't never had them kind of moments before. I know you never looked at your job and said, well, you did this to me. The same job you shouted over. Now you blaming God. You are charging God with what's wrong in your life. You get what I'm saying? You've been there before? Okay, all right. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. Watch this. Here's where the rubber meets the road. You have to stop charging God with where your life is and start blessing him for where your life is. Here's the revelation. You bless him. Well, why am I blessing him? Because I don't like where my life is. The fact that you don't like your life, watch this, but he's still sustaining you in what you don't like is enough for you to tell him thank you because it could be a different way. No matter how awful your life is, it could be worse. Do you see that? Okay. Um, so number three, you got to replace self-focused thinking with a God-focused mindset. After praying for the Lord to protect your mind and recognizing the enemy, I have a choice. I have to train my brain to concentrate on the things of God or I will, or I will let it be consumed or I'll let my mind be consumed by the things that are happening to me. You got a choice. You can either train your brain to concentrate on the things of God, or you can let your mind be consumed by the things that's happening to you. You have a choice. Okay? Choose ye this day between life and death. You got a choice between the two. Go to Philippians 4, verse number 8. Philippians 4, verse number 8. You have a choice. what's happening in my life consume my mind to the place where all I see is doom and gloom or I train my brain to concentrate on the things of God. I train my brain to see what God is doing. Philippians 4 verse number 8. 
verse number eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's where your mind needs to be. If it ain't true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, stop thinking about it. Get your mind off of it. And put your mind on those things. Okay? To focus, now, let me, let me give you the truth, because I'm, I'm a very balanced preacher. To focus your mind on what God requires, it takes some work. This ain't something you snap your fingers. This ain't something you're going to shout one time and it's over. It takes work to train your brain. I, I, if I don't take purposeful action to set my mind on Jesus Christ, then I'm allowing my mind to go anywhere it wants to go. So what does that look like? Let's put this in action. That means when I get up in the morning, I need to read, a word, read something from the Word. Um, I was, somebody, um, my, um, a friend of mine was working out, working out, working out, and he had a goal to drink a gallon of water every single day. And so what he did was he put on his phone uh, um, an alarm to remind himself that every, I think it was every hour on the hour, his alarm would go off and it would say, drink water. So by the time he got to the end of the day, all the water was gone. What if you put a reminder in your phone, read a word? Because what it's doing is bringing your mind back to what God said, not to what your mind, what you let your mind loose to think about. You see the difference? You got to work at that thing now. You got to make it a part of you. You got to plan what you do, okay? It's just like... Um, I, I watch The Breakfast Club um, on YouTube in the morning, and I know at a certain time they start dropping all the videos from what was on The Breakfast Club. Yes, Pastor Ross, what you say? Y'all got to stay tuned. I got to know what's going on in the world. There's some rap on there, Blue something the other day. I said, Jesus. Y'all know who I'm talking about? What's his name? Blue, so Blue face, yeah. I said, Jesus. Help. Help. Um, but I know at a certain time, those clips start, uh, is on YouTube, and I will automatically, if I'm driving, I'll automatically refresh my YouTube in order for me to watch it because I have trained myself by this point. This is the time it, it comes on there. What if we did the same thing when it came to the Word of God, to bring our minds back to where it's supposed to be? How different would your day be on your job if at 1030, your phone said, read you a scripture right now. Do you see that? You have to train your brain. Look at your neighbor say, train your brain. Watch this. If I don't make purposeful action to set my mind on Jesus Christ, then I'm allowing my mind to go anywhere it wants to go. I know where it will go, and it's nowhere good. If I let my brain just let, listen, I know where it's going to go, nowhere good. Because I know myself. So even when I am fully confident of God's love and care, I must decide that I will, um, what I will and what I will not think about. I have to decide that. Okay? So how do you have a God-focused mindset? How do you have a 
God-focused mindset? How, would, how do we bring this, this brain on in? How do we train our brain? Um, how to have a God-focused mindset? I'm almost done. Number one, identify and own your bent thinking. Identify it and own it. We have to self-analyze our entire day. We must, watch this, slow down and identify what thinking errors we have or, or we are having and watch this and do this and write it down. So every way we're thought, write it down. This is called mental journaling. Our bent thinking. If we are careful and wisely and, and wisely analyze, we can keep track of thinking that stimulates uh, us, that sets our feelings off. And of course, how you feel, will, your actions will follow. So you gotta, you gotta write it down. When that crazy thinking come off, I don't wanna say crazy thinking, that bent thinking comes off, you need to write it down. What? Okay, I just had this thought. to write it down. She makes me very sick. You see that? You got to write it down. Because the only way you're going to change it is you have to identify it and own it. Here's the problem with the saints. The saints have an inability to own their own stuff. So we never like to say how bad we really are. We, we shout over it. We act like it's not there. We act like, no, mm, I don't do that. That's them. No. That's us. The plank is in our eye. That's good. Watch this. So we write it down, all right? Um, and in prayerful conversation with God, we can identify the thinking error and internally discuss irrational thoughts with God. You can't discuss the thought with God because the thought came and it left. Come on, we think a lot of thoughts in one day. Sometimes we need to slow down and say, okay, I had this thought, Lord, I need you working me on this right here, right here. My heart ain't right. My heart is not right. I can't be an example on this job for you, and I got this much hatred in my heart for everybody I work with. You see that? God, I need you to help me right here. Help me right here. Because my, my spouse is working my last nerve. And if I don't get this thought under control, we'll be in divorce court after a while. Help me with this thought right here. Okay? Um, number two, replace bent thinking with rational thinking. Replace bent thinking with rational thinking. Another word for bent is irrational. So replace uh, the irrational thinking with rational thinking. When I when our minds are just wondering, most of that stuff is, 99.9% of that stuff is irrational. I'm going to always be like, that's not true. That's not rational. It's not spiritual, nor is it rational. You're not going to always be like this. You have to replace the bent, irrational thinking with rational thinking. We start to self-brand ourselves. I'm no good. I'm lazy. I'm, I'm, I'm disorganized. Our self and or we self-brand others. He's always. She's always. Are they really always? 
Ranika was like, yeah. <laughs> right? No, they're not. They're not always. But when you put a brand on it, it gives you a place where you're justified in what you think. And that's not fair. Because people can change. Yeah. 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 At the end of the day, it is. We should immediately stop and start to reason rationally with ourselves. No, um, I'm not no good, but God sees me as good. See, you see how you switch that? Yeah, they act a little off right now, but I pray that they get their mind together. Because, you know, your prayer, your prayer ain't quite, Lord, bless them yet. So you got to start somewhere. Lord, let them get their mind together. Okay, and work on me at the same time. Okay? All right? Number three, let others hold you accountable. Let others hold you accountable. Now, I'm going to be clear about what, what I mean by this. Let others hold you accountable. Keep your friends and your family in the loop of what you're trying to attempt to do. Let me be clear. got to graduate. They got their PhD in it. So they're going to hold you accountable with, about your master's. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You got to be clear about who holding you accountable. Because if they just as crazy as you are, that's the blind leading the blind. Who going to help who? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Because sometimes the people that we ask to hold us accountable actually massage us into a place of, of, of complacency. They allow us to be the way that we are. Don't, don't get it twisted. We all got people in our lives that allow us to be dysfunctional. We feel comfortable around them because they allow us to be dysfunctional. They don't see nothing wrong with what we're doing because they're doing it too. So we all in the same boat together. When I say let people hold you accountable, you have to get to a place where you let people who um, have at least striving to do better to hold you accountable. So what that look like? You go to a person and say, listen, I notice that I can be very negative when I talk. Hold me accountable to the words that's coming out of my mouth. I don't want to be that negative. That's not, that's not what I know God has better for me. And you go to a positive person and ask them to hold you accountable. Don't go to somebody that's, listen, they're just as miserable as you. Who going to hold who accountable? Okay? Here's the next one, the last one. Yes. Um. Let me, let, me, let me push that. The reason why I say that is true, that it will help you with control, but that's, that it's very dangerous because what ends up happening is because you are so in control, you will only put people in your life that won't hold you accountable. You get, no, no, hold on. But you get what I'm saying? So you will surround yourself with yes people because you don't want anybody to hold you accountable. Watch this. This is why some of us don't have no friends that's doing better than us. Because people that do better than us intimidate us. They can't hold us accountable. Watch this. We don't want them to hold us accountable because we're jealous. 
look at your neighbor and say, but if you did what I did, you can get what I got. Okay? Here's the next one. I got to hurry up and finish. I got to let y'all out. Be practical and realistic with your progress. Be practical and realistic with your progress. It ain't going to happen next week. It may take you years to stop a habit. It took you years in the way you thought about it. Some of y'all said, because you were raised in certain things, or you always thought that there was nothing wrong with it. Okay? Be realistic. Okay? Um, let me put it like this. It, it took many years to achieve your way of thinking. It's, gonna, it's not going to change overnight. Also keep this in perspective. If we only put 50% of ourselves in putting into becoming a new person, we'll only get 50% out. If we put 100% in, we will get 100% out. We should notice a small difference in a week, but we should see tremendous change in about four to five months if you work at it. If you work at it. Okay? Here's the last point. Keep your prayer life up. Keep your prayer life up. You can't change by yourself. You need a prayer life. We need to bring God into the picture for him, for with him, nothing is impossible. Bring him into the picture every single time. Write this down. I'm done. Um, I'm not going to read it. Psalms 55, 22. Read this on your own time. Psalms 55, 22. Romans 8 and 5. write this down. This is step number four. Step number four. Rest in the truth that you are accepted in Jesus Christ. When you're trying to renew your mind, you got to rest in the truth that you are accepted in Jesus Christ. Write these scriptures down. Romans 5 and 1. Romans 8 and 1, Romans 8, 16 through 17. All right, here's step five, huh? Rest in the truth that you are accepted in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 16 through 17. Last step, step five. Write this down. Y'all ready? Repeat steps one through four daily. Repeat steps one through four daily. That's step number five. Daily. Every day. Any questions? Yes, ma'am. What was number three? Okay, she's going to get it after service. Praise the Lord. Yes, April. Hold on, hold on. I can't hear. Say that. Which one? 
we got to be more specific. I gave a bunch of different steps. Um, identify and own your own your bent thinking. You, you got that? Okay. Replace bent thinking with with rational thinking. Let others hold you accountable. Be practical and realistic with your progress. And keep your prayer life up. Okay. Y'all got that? All right. All right. Y'all good? Praise the Lord. All right. Did this bless anybody on tonight? What happened? So here's the here's the the I need you to understand this about my teaching that I will always start with foundational stuff and I will end up very practical. So you have to kind of ride through it because I'm attacking stuff that's been in our minds and I'm trying to make sure that we understand stuff from a spiritual aspect. Sometimes and I said this before, sometimes that I have a tendency as a pastor to sometimes feel like I'm just giving you a pep talk. And what the Lord had to show me through this whole discipleship process, teach them from the word first and then build upon that. So when I build a foundation, it is through the word of God and then we build on top of that, all right? That has to be our foundation, all right? So tonight was very practical. I hope you got that. Um, everybody stand as we get ready to go. Don't forget, Saturday is um, uh, a well woman. It's going to be an amazing, amazing experience. Um, the men in here, if you can be here on Saturday, we need some men to help out and support. We got some that's already signed up, but we need some more uh, that will be here. Um, hear me. Um, I don't want one woman to lift a finger. I need for the men to serve on Saturday. I need the men here at 7.30 a.m., 7.30 a.m., and it's going to go until 2 p.m., all right? So I need your assistance. I need your help. Hear me. I want you to hear this. Stop asking for a great church, but we don't put the work ethic into making it happen. I got free from that pressure a long time ago. Through this whole discipleship process, I got free from that. Because saints want great church, but they don't want to put the, the, the effort into it. And so I need you men, if you could be here on Saturday um, from 7.30 until 2 p.m. If you can come and you got to leave or something, but if you could be here the whole time, that would be wonderful. But I don't want a woman to lift a finger because, hear me, when we do our thing in October, the roles will be reversed. I'm going to need some women to serve and for the men to get uh, what they need in, uh, for their event coming in October. So I need your assistance. Don't forget, reverse Bible study is going to be uh, next week, Wednesday. Email me your questions. On Sunday, we're having a guest uh, preacher, um, uh, Pastor Danzi, who will be here. Um, she's teaching a workshop on that Saturday, and she's going to be preaching on Sunday. She is a powerhouse. I'm excited about uh, what God is going to release in here on Sunday. So, ladies, I need you to be here because the message is geared towards women. It's kind of like Women's Day, to be honest with you, on, on Sunday. So I need you to be here. It's going to be a great time. Invite somebody. It's going to be an amazing time. All right? Grab the hand of your neighbor as we get ready to go. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Nothing you could do about it.
Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We honor, we bless you, God. God, we thank you for the power of your word, God. Thank you that you are changing our minds, that you are renewing our minds, God, that you're bringing, to, bringing us to a place that we please you even in our thoughts, God, not just in what we say, not just in what we do, but how we think, God. Let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, God, we give you free reign to shape us and mold us and to be who you want us to be. And we glorify you and love you.